Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher, will teach us from Genesis chapter 25 on the struggle of Esau and Jacob in the womb. And we'll look at the first conflict in the Bible with brothers and the continuing conflict of Israel today. We want to continue to ask for your prayers for the Jewish evangelism outreach going on right now with Israel Restoration Ministries. And our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, is the founder and president of Israel Restoration Ministries, a specific Jewish evangelism outreach ministry trying to reach Jewish people around the world, from Israel all the way to the Canada, the U.S., South America, wherever Jewish people are. We have missionaries working full-time, part-time, and even volunteers like you out there that help get involved with us to reach lost Jewish people. If you'd like to be a volunteer or work for us full-time, call us for information on opportunities at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. You can also call us with a donation of any amount to support Jewish evangelism and this Bible teaching radio program at 800-247-3051. Now, our Summer Blitz campaign is going on right now with 111 missionaries in 15 U.S. and Canadian cities, major Jewish cities, trying to reach lost Jewish people. Now, we've had Orthodox Jews now coming to church, even atheist Jews now coming and visiting church and receiving the gospel materials at their door on the street, person to person, face to face. Jewish people are being countered by our missionaries that are out there in these cities with gospel gifts from Israel Restoration Ministries and a personal witness. Now, if you'd like to support the gospel going to the Jew first throughout our nation right now, you can do so by calling us at 800 247 3051 with a donation of any amount, 800-247-3051. You can donate also at israelrestoration.org, israelrestoration.org, or friendshipwithgod.org. Or again, call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. Here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher, teaching us on the struggle of Esau and Jacob in the womb from Genesis chapter 25 as we look at the first conflict in the Bible between brothers and the conflict going on in Israel today that still exists back to Esau and Jacob. See, there were two brothers that were struggling here in her. Now, who were the first two brothers who struggled in the Bible? Cain and Abel, first two brothers struggling in the Bible. Very interesting, the description about that, as it says in Genesis 4 through 5. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of the flock and of the fat thereof. And it says this, And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. Cain was very wroth, countenance fell, verse 8 of Genesis 4. Cain talked with his brother, with Abel his brother. Came to pass when they were in the field. Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. See, Cain's hatred was so great towards Abel that when Cain was just talking with Abel, he couldn't control his anger. His rage just went over the top and it says that he rose up and he kills him. He murders him. He couldn't control his anger against Abel when he talked with him. He got more and more angry as he talked with him. First murder in the Bible. And the big question is why? Why did Cain become so angry with Abel that he killed him? Just because of what it says there about Cain and Abel and those four important words after their names, which I tried to emphasize when I read it. Because verse 4 says, And the Lord had respect to Abel and to his offering. And it says in verse 5, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. See, when God looks at Cain, he doesn't just see them as Cain and Abel. God sees each person with his offering. And so God sees Abel and his offering. 
God sees Cain and his offering. And these verses do not say that God had respect unto Abel and to Cain. He didn't have respect. doesn't say that. These verses say that God had respect to Abel and his offering. And God did not have respect to Cain and his offering. See, God doesn't just see Abel, and God doesn't just see just Cain. He sees Abel with his offering. He sees Cain with his offering. And God's decision to respect or not respect Abel and Cain there are based on their offerings. That's why it says Abel and to his offering, Cain and to his offering. It's all about the offering that each one brought. See, Abel was accepted and respected by God because of the offering that he brought, and Cain was rejected and not respected by God because of the offering he brought. It's all about the offerings. It's all about the offerings. And the same is true for each person today. Just as Abel and Cain, God looks at every person and he asks the question, what offering is each one bringing? If a person brings the blood offering of the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for their sins, then he's accepted and he is respected like Abel. But if a person brings the filthy rags of his own righteousness and his good works, then God rejects and he does not respect that person as he did for Cain because of his offering. See, as it was for Cain and Abel, so it's still about the offering that's brought today for sins and that determines if God is going to accept or reject, if God is going to respect or not respect a person. God tells us today, what's the offering? that we should bring to be expected, accepted by God. He says that in Isaiah 53.10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. See, that verse says that it pleased God to bruise Jehovah Jesus. He was bruised on the cross when he died for our sins. And then it says that each person is to make his soul an offering for sin. See, it says that if a person does that, then God will see that person, his seed, and he'll see him as a seed. He'll give him eternal life and prolong his days, and he'll use him. Pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. But it all comes down to the statement, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. It's very interesting when you look at that literally what it says in the Hebrew, which are four Hebrew words, im tasim asham nefsho. See, the first word, im, means if. It doesn't mean when. It means if. See, if. It's a word means if. So by starting off this phrase by im, it means if, a great decision is placed here in this phrase. This is an im. This is an if. If a person can decide to make his soul an offering for sin or a person can decide to not make his soul an offering for sin, it's a crossroads. The word, this word, im, if, immediately sets before us, this is a matter of a person's own free will or its choice. Each person comes to this im, this if, fork in the road, and has to decide. This way, make his soul an offering for sin. That way, don't make his soul an offering for sin. Then the next Hebrew word, im, tasim. Tasim means to put. Tasim was first used in the Bible in Genesis 2.8 when it says, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. See, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he tasim, he put, he tasim the man there. God took, he took the man, and he put him there in the garden. I don't know what he did. He picked him up and put him down there. See? But he put him there. That's the point. So the second word in Isaiah 53.10 of tasim is saying, if you put, if you put, and then we ask the question, put where? That's where the next two words tell you. Third word is asham. 
Asham is the Hebrew word for guilt. If you put your guilt, if you put guilt, your guilt, nefsho, fourth word, on his soul, his soul. So literally, this is saying, if you put your guilt on his soul, man feels guilty because he is guilty. There's nothing wrong with the feeling of guiltiness. That's a warning signal that comes from the conscious that a person is guilty. You know, a leading so-called Christian psychiatrist once said about unmarried couples who came to him for counseling, and he said, I'm not worried about unmarried couples sleeping together. I'm worried about their guilt complex. The reason a person feels guilty is because he is guilty. There's nothing wrong with the internal warning light of the soul, which is feeling guilty. And you fly in an airplane, and when the the light and the buzzer comes on and says you got a low fuel gauge, that's not a time to climb under the dashboard and cut the wires to get a full warning light. That's a valid warning light. Address the problem, the light will go out. Take away a person's guilt, the warning light of feeling guilty will go out. Or as Isaiah 53 puts it, put your guilt on his soul, make his, which is the same thing as saying make his soul an offering for sin. When a person puts his guilt on the soul of Jehovah Jesus, then God sees that person and his acceptable offering, and he accepts and has respect to that person and his offering. But when a person says, I don't need anyone to die for my sins, and he comes with an offering of his own good works, and God sees that person, that's an unacceptable offering. God rejects and does not have respect to that person and his offering. And that was the difference that caused the hatred between Cain and Abel. Now, we read in verse 22 that when this great struggle happened in Rebekah, that Rebekah went to inquire of the Lord. The Hebrew word here for the word went is the word halach. Halach, which is the same word as we've seen before, where God commanded Abraham in Genesis 12.1. Now, the Lord had said unto Abraham, get thee, get thee out of thy country. Halach, or as it says, lech lacha, go, you go from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I'll show you. This wasn't easy for Abraham to halach, or go from his country, and his kindred's father's house. It wasn't easy for Rebekah to halach, or go to the Lord, to inquire of the Lord in prayer. It's never easy for us to halach, or go to God in prayer. It takes determination to pray. Everything comes to mind when we decide they're going to pray. Well, we need to do instead of praying. But in verse 22, it tells us that Rebekah halach, she went to inquire of the Lord. And when Abraham had to leave his country, it was hard for Abraham. And Abraham had to lech, he had to halach from his country. And it was hard for him to leave his family. And he had to halach, leave from his family. And it was hard for him to leave his father's house. He had to halach, he had to lech, to leave his father's house. Rebecca had to go to pray to God. It was hard for Rebecca to go pray to God. She had to lech, she had to halach, to go to pray to God. And then when Rebecca breaks through, this obstacle, or whatever obstacles there were keeping her for prayer, uh, then she goes to God, then God answers with a profound answer. And the answer that God gave wasn't just a clinical diagnosis. Well, let me tell you what's wrong. No, no, no. The explanation that he gave far extended beyond her particular clinical condition there. And God's explanation to Rebecca was both a prophecy and a fundamental explanation for the great conflict between all men ever born on earth and who will ever be born on earth who fall into two basic categories. The two categories that he's referring to here. And I'd like you to look carefully at these verses here, verses 22 through 24, because there's a fundamental point that's stated four times in these verses, 22 to 24. This point is emphasized because it's stated once in verse 22, twice in verse 23, and once in verse 24. What's the point? 
What's the point that's being stated once in verse 22, twice in verse 23, and once again in verse 24? What is it? What is stated once in verse 22, repeated twice? It's in her. It's in her. See, verse 22 says, within her. Verse 23 says, in thy womb. It says it again, from thy bowels. And verse 24 says, in her womb. See, look how dramatic this emphasis is, especially in verse 24, when it says, when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. Well, when she's giving birth, there aren't twins in her womb at that point, because they're born. But it's talking about the birth, telling us this important point, there were. Behold, there were. The important part to see in verse 24 is at the time of delivery, it was seen that there were twins in her womb. See, with those words, behold, there were twins in her womb, it's saying, it's saying, oh, look, there were twins in her womb. Oh, look, that's why she had this grace thrusting forward. She had twins in her womb. See, the point that's emphasized four times in these three verses is that the children were inside Rebecca. And God had this great conflict go on between her children and her womb to teach a point, to drive a point. These children who are in conflict are as close and as related as naked twins pressed up against each other in their mother's womb. They're that close to each other. They're pressed together. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God in just a moment. We want to remind you that we have lots of free resources available on our website, friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Click on the Resources tab, lots of free resources, videos, and readings and training from Tom Cantor on how you can improve your friendship with God. Now, Tom Cantor's been on the air for several years now. He's got 770 messages, digital copies, MP3s, that we can make available for you so that you can have these digital teachings anytime you want to study about having better friendship with God. 770 messages from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, all for a donation of $500, which supports this Bible teaching radio program and Jewish Evangelism Outreach Ministry. So call us at 800 247 3051-800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor. Now the point of the struggling children being within her, in her womb, in her bowels, it teaches us a fundamental truth, which is stated in, in Romans 9, 6-7. They are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. See, the struggling of the two children inside of Rebekah was designed by God to teach us that at that time that they were not all Israel that were in Rebekah's womb. The struggling of the two children inside of Rebekah was designed by God to teach us today they are not all Israel that are of Israel. They are not all Israel that are in the womb called the Jewish people. Last night I was at a gathering of, of Jewish people at a, at a home, and uh, I was the only Jewish believer in this group. And so as I was circulating around and speaking to my Jewish brethren, my Jewish kinsmen according to the flesh, I thought of how I was as different as Jacob and Esau in the womb. <laughs> I spoke with one Jewish man who was a homosexual. And we looked at his picture book on Israel and his bar mitzvah pictures and, and, I, and, and, and we had a good time. I had some good Jewish jokes. I can't remember them now, but they were, one of them was really good. 
I asked him if it was good. He said he was. Anyway, then he told me of how he nursed his partner all the way through the horrible death of AIDS. And, and he told me how terrible he felt during and after that death. And then I told him how I nursed my wife for 45 years through the horrible death of leukemia. And I told him that, by contrast, how wonderful I felt during and after that because of the Lord's presence and protection. And I told him that what made the difference for me was the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I explained to him that as the song says, that when we want to express to someone how much we love them, we take a pen and a paper just to write, I love you. But when God wanted to express how much he loved us, he took three nails and two pieces of wood just to write, I love you. And I told him how the cross just covers a multitude of sins. And then with intention, he looked right at me and he said, it's not for me. And when he looked at me and said that, I felt like we were the twins in Rebecca's womb. <laughs> we were struggling. So the first point that's emphasized in these verses, in verses 24, 22, 24, was that the struggling children were inside Rebecca. Now, God's explanation to Rebecca in verse 23 was that, and the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. See, God explained to Rebecca that there were two nations that were in her womb. I mean, can you imagine? You know, I mean, Rebecca's going, what? You know, it's like, I thought it was just a, you know, a normal pregnancy. Two nations? He says two nations. The word nations in Hebrew is the word goyim, or goy for nation. You thought that was a derogatory term? It's not. There are other derogatory terms, trust me. But that one's not. <laughs> goy means nation. But the root meaning of the word goy is the word gather, or a community of people. See, the root meaning of the word community in English is the word common. So a community of people is a group of people that have certain important things in common. That's what makes them a community. So when God said two nations are in thy womb, he's saying two communities of people. Jacob and Esau represent two communities, two groups of people because of what they had in common. And so from here on out till the end of the chapter, we can focus and we should focus on the differences between Jacob and Esau in order to see what the people of Jacob have in common to make them the Jacob community and what the people of Esau have in common to make them the Esau community. In these verses, we can see the type of person, the persons that Esau and Jacob are. First, we see in verse 22 about Esau something very important where it says, and Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. See, when it says that Isaac did eat of his venison, the word eat there is the Hebrew word peh, which is mouth, the mouth. So in other words, it says bepeh. So in other words, in the mouth. So in other words, Esau's venison, his game, was in Isaac's mouth. So what verse 28 is implying here is that Esau put his venison, or his game, in Isaac's mouth. And Isaac loved that. He loved that. So in other words, Esau's fellowship is over food. And Esau loves this feeling of satisfying the hunger with food. And the next indication that kind of goes along the same line here is in verse 30, where it says, And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage. See, when Esau said to Jacob, feed me, he used a Hebrew word which is la'at, 
And la'at means to swallow. So in verse 30, Esau is saying to Jacob, let me feel the sensation of swallowing. Let me feel the physical sensation of swallowing. Again, Esau loved this feeling of satisfying hunger or his desire for food with the physical sensation of swallowing the food. He loved the physical feeling of swallowing. In order to enjoy all the more the physical sensations of satisfying these physical desires, Esau exalted these physical desires. Esau exalted his physical desire of his body so he could all the more enjoy the physical sensations of satisfying those desires. See, that's the definition of a sensual person. A sensual person is a person who exalts his physical desires so he can enjoy the sensations of satisfying those desires. That's why Esau here, he's the poster child for a sensual person. Esau was a sensual person because he exalted his physical desires of the flesh, of his flesh, so he could enjoy the sensations of satisfying those physical desires. A sensual person exalts physical desires so he can all the more enjoy the sensations of satisfying those desires. The people of Esau are sensual in that they exalt physical desires of their flesh so they can enjoy the sensual feelings of of satisfying them. All sensual people are part of Esau's community. On the contrary, the people of Jacob debase their physical feelings, as the Lord Jesus Christ said. And when he had called the people unto him and his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after him, let him deny himself and take up his cross. See, to deny himself is to debase the physical desires. Sensuality is to exalt physical desires, to to exalt sexual desires, to all the more enjoy the physical fulfillment of those sexual desires. See, that's sensuality. And all the people who obey the Lord debase their physical desires to not make their life's enjoyment the, the satisfaction of those desires. They're part of the Jacob community. And so next what we see in verse 23 is that God went on more to explain what made this community of Esau different from the community of Jacob, and it was that they were two manner of people, two communities and two manner of people. Manner is an interesting word. It's an interesting word to describe the difference between the Esau community and the Jacob community because this manner difference can really be explained with really two words, with God versus without God. And so as it says there in Psalm 10.4, the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. God's not in any of his thoughts. When the individuals in a community are alone by themselves, so I'm talking about the individuals in these communities, Esau community, Jacob community, when they're all alone by themselves, you can really see the difference. When they are alone, they have two manners of how each one sees the world around them. The Esau people see the world without God. And the Jacob people see the world with God. See, the manner of the Esau people is to say, God has nothing to do with the world around me. The manner of the Jacob people is to say, God has everything to do with the world around me. When they are alone, the two manners of each individual comes out in how they understand their origins. The Jacob people see their origin in God. The Esau people understand their origin without God. See, the manner of the Esau people is to say, God had nothing to do with where I came from. But the manner of the Jacob people is to say and to think, God had everything to do with where I came from. 
another great day of studying the Bible here on Friendship with God with our Bible teacher and born-again Jewish believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, Tom Cantor. Tom Cantor is the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. About five years ago, he wanted to set out and be an organization that actively pursued and tried to reach Jewish people, lost Jewish people, with the gospel by having hundreds of missionaries, volunteers, part-time, and full-time missionaries that reach lost Jewish people with gospel gifts that he's been able to develop in such a way that they speak to lost Jewish people, those that are searching for the truth of who the Messiah is. Now, these free gifts are given out by Israel Restoration Ministries missionaries, as well as gospel presentations, personal presentations of the Messiah and information. And we do that at malls, colleges. We go door-to-door, street-to-street at events and fairs all over the U.S. Particularly right now, we have the Summer Blitz going on with 111 missionaries in 15 cities in the U.S. and in Canada. We also have done campaigns over in Israel, South America, and all over the world by giving out free gospel gifts, millions and millions of them, over 5 million copies of printed materials given out by Israel Restoration Ministries in the last five years. And personal witnesses, we've had Jewish people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and get baptized, start getting discipled and worked with. And we take a long time with our missionaries with working with Jewish people and bringing them to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to support Jewish evangelism and how we reach lost Jewish people in America today, one of the most unreached people groups still today, no one wants to go to the Jewish people. They are very difficult to reach, very hardened, but God has a veil on it, but he can remove that, and blindness is only come in part to them. So if you want to reach lost Jewish people with the gospel, join us at Israel Restoration Ministries and Friendship with God. Call us with a donation of any amount, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Again, 800 247 or go to friendshipwithgod.org to learn more.